verse number 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, we ask You to bless the reading of Your Word. I pray that You would fill me with Your Spirit. And for these next few moments, that You would just help us to focus upon Your Word, upon You, upon who You are, and and just the whole magnitude of Your coming to this earth in the form of a man dying on the cross for our sins, uh, being buried and rising again on the third day, and giving us hope, giving us the promise of eternal life, those of us that believe. I hope and pray, God, that You would just turn our attention to You. And Lord, I pray that You would fill me with Your Spirit, that You'd enable me to preach this, for I cannot preach without You. And so I come to You, Lord, and I ask You for Your help. In Jesus' name we pray, and Amen. And Amen. Thank you, church. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, the best Christmas ever. You know, Christmas is my favorite time of the year. I love the festive, the, the festive atmosphere. I love the joy that's in the air. I've often said even grouchy people seem to be in a better mood around Christmas. I, um, I, I love everything about Christmas. I love the lights, the decorations... Um, It seems like people are more generous in their giving and helping the poor around Christmas time. It's just a special time of the year. And I love it. But for some people, Christmas is extremely stressful. I am told, and I don't know the exact numbers, but I am told that depression reaches its peak at Christmas year. Christmas time of the year, excuse me. Suicides are increased... At Christmas time. And I understand that there are reasons for this stress. You know, there's the hustle and bustle, trying to make sure that Christmas is right. Mostly moms are the ones who deal with this. They're trying to make everything just right, and they're making sure that all the kids have equal gifts, and they're running here and there, and trying to make sure that everything is perfect, and that can lead to stress. There's also unreasonable expectations. People have unreasonable expectations all, all days of the year, but it seems to heighten at Christmas time. And do you remember a few years ago in the news there were uh, grown men in a store literally fist fighting over Tickle Me Elmo? And so this is the kind of stuff that causes stress. There, there's some more seriousness. There's, there's some folks that are lonely at Christmas time. You know, loneliness is very, very difficult to handle. And there are many who are suffering with loneliness, and that can cause stress. And then there are some who have lost a loved one, and this is their first Christmas without them. These are all valid reasons for this to be a stressful time of the year. And I want to tell you, there's one way that we can deal with this stress. There's one way that I can try to help you get through the stress of Christmas. That this could be the best Christmas, even though you might be facing one of these dire situations. I want to get you back on track. I want to get your eyes off of everything that's going on and get your eyes on the true meaning of Christmas. Have you ever just thought, just stopped what you're doing and contemplated the goodness 
of God. The, the, the idea of God becoming a man so that He could die on the cross and pay the sin debt for us, to me, that is just beyond my comprehension. I'm thankful, but it just blows my mind. So how do we deal with the depression during this season? Well, the first thing you have to understand and know that God came to you. God came to you. In our verse, we see this. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to you. They used to sing that in the church. That's a song. When I could not go to where He was, He came to me. That thought is a wonderful thought. That God would leave the throngs of heaven to come to me, a sinner. That He would come to you and that He would give you His grace. That He would give you His love. That He would give you His mercy. I still have not gotten over that. In churches today, people talk about the gospel so flippantly. They talk about Jesus so flippantly. Listen, I have never gotten over the fact that Jesus loved me enough that He would come to me. Do you know the Bible teaches us that there is none that seeketh after God? That before you came to Jesus Christ, He was pursuing you. You didn't wake up one morning and decide, I want to be a Christian today. But God was pursuing you. He was coming after you. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, Paul said. The reason He came was to save sinners. So number one, Jesus came to you. Number two, God came for you. For you, as I just quoted you, First Timothy verse one and verse uh, chapter one and verse fifteen says this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. You know, I don't know this, but I would have to say that based on the scriptures and based on what we know about Jesus, if you were the only one, He still would have come for you. God. The Son to, stepped up in heaven off of His throne. He was seated at the right hand of the Father. He walked through the throngs of angels. And He came to this earth, born of, of, of a virgin, laid in a manger, grew up as a child, became a man, never sinned, and died on the cross for you and for me, you cannot improve upon the Christmas story. Now, I love all the Christmas shows. This year, I will watch It's a Wonderful Life. I will watch Miracle on 34th Street. I will watch uh, the, um, the Christmas story. I will watch all those films, and I love them, and I watch them every year, and I love it. I have not watched any Hallmark. Can I get an amen? I've kind of developed the pattern of what's going to happen in the show, and so I don't even fool with the Hallmark Christmas shows anymore. But at any rate, I'll watch all those shows, and they're wonderful, and they're exciting, and the thrill of Christmas. But let me tell you something. There's something even greater than all of that. 
There's something greater than the festive atmosphere. There's something greater than all of the trappings of Christmas. That is that God would come for me and God came for you. It's amazing. It's amazing. How many times do we hear that song, Mary, did you know? And we get to that uh, verse and he says, when you've kissed the face of, of that baby, you've kissed the face of God. This is something to ponder. This is something to be in awe of. That God would love us enough that He would come for me. You know, I meet people and people tell me, you know, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad I've been. Listen, the Bible teaches us that while we were yet in our sin, Christ came for us. It wasn't when we cleaned up. It wasn't that we were better than anyone else. God came for you. And God came for me. And I don't know about you, but when I think about God coming to me, and I think that God came for me, that, little, that helps with the depressing times. That helps get me back on track. That sets me aright and focuses what the real purpose of Christmas is. What the real meaning of Christmas is. It's not the, the uh, hustle and bustle. It's not all of the festivities. It's not all of that. It's not even about you being with your family. That's great. But Christmas is about God coming to man. God coming for man. And then lastly, God coming to be with you. I love it. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with a child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Not only did God come to you, not only did God come for you, but God came to be with you. What a promise we have from the eternal Word of God. That we are never alone. That God would think so much of us that He was willing to bring us into His family, into a right relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, because He wants to be with us. And those of us that have believed in Him and called on His name and we are saved, we will be with Him forever and ever and ever. Have you thought about that? That God wants to be with you and because He wants to be with you, He came to you and He came for you so that He could be with us. When I think of this, it encourages me because I'm never alone. Those of you that might be battling loneliness, you're not alone. God came to be with you. And if you are saved, the Holy Spirit has taken up His abode in your life. He lives inside of you, never leaving you, never forsaking you. God came to us. He came for us. And not only did He come to us, and not only did He come for us, but God came to be with us. You say, okay, so what difference does that make? What difference does that make? I I hear what you're saying, but I really don't feel it. I really am struggling, and I can't feel what you're telling me. You think that by my believing in this will change something in my life, will change the way I feel? You know, I um, 
love a passage of Scripture. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And in this passage, Solomon is given instruction to his son on wisdom. He's teaching him how to be a man. He's teaching him how to get through every phase of life, no matter what you face. And he comes to verses 5 and 6 and he says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. There are three things quickly in this verse. Number one, he teaches Sol- Solomon teaches his son, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. We can talk about it, and we can uh, sing about it, and we can preach about it, but it's difficult to take our hands off the situation and trust the Lord. Whatever you're dealing with, if you would just come to the, the, the acknowledgement by faith that God loves you, He's not abandoned you, that God loves you and what you're going through is part of His greater plan. And, and I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not making light of what you're going through. But you trust Him. See, a lot of people have no difficulty coming to faith in Jesus Christ and believing in Him for their salvation. But daily and monthly and weekly and yearly as they live their lives, we find it difficult to have the same kind of trust daily in Him that we do for our salvation. But we are those who walk by faith and not by sight. So we have to trust in the Lord. Now, the second thing in this verse is, he says, Lean not on thine own understanding. As humans, we want to rationalize everything. We have to explain everything. And there are things that we cannot explain. There are some who perhaps are spending your first Christmas without your loved one. And I would never, ever... Be insensitive and, and act like that's no big deal. To you, your world is upside down. And we love you and we're praying for you. But I would tell you this, you know, there are times when you want to rationalize this. If we could have just done this, or if we would have done that, or if this circumstance would have changed, or if someone would have done this, or so and so, you can't rationalize it. There will always be an element of this that we can't explain. And as a pastor, I would love to be able to explain it all to you. But I can tell you this, if you know Jesus and your loved one knew Jesus, this is not the end. They cannot come to you, but you can go to where they are. That's what David said when he lost his, his baby. He said, his baby cannot come to where I am, but I will one day go to where he is. You can't lean on your own understanding. You cannot rationalize this out. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding of this. And then lastly, he says, acknowledge Him. Now this acknowledge is different. It's not just a simple mental assent to something. When he says acknowledge Him, what is he talking about? He's talking about, this word actually means to seek to know. That even in the deepest, darkest valleys, you've got to seek to know the Lord. You acknowledge Him. Lord, you're in this valley with me and you're my only hope. You're the only one that can get me out of this valley. I'm trusting in you and you alone. Now, I know that this can't bring your loved one back, but this gives you hope that you will be able to go 
to where that loved one is. This cannot uh, meet your unreasonable expectations, but it can calm your soul. This cannot, uh, it cannot solve your loneliness, but it can ensure that you're never alone. I know that sounds um, like an oxymoron, but it's not. And the whole crux of this message is, is that God loves us so much that He was willing to leave heaven so that we didn't have to be alone, so that we could be with Him forever. You see, this earth is, and our life on this earth is not all there is. I know that we are consumed with it because we're humans, but this is not all there is. And so Christmas is about God coming to you, God coming for you, and God coming to be with you. And I trust and pray that as these days come and, and, and you're going through difficult situations, by faith, if you'll just trust Him and not lean on your own understanding, seek to know Him in all this, God will direct your paths and this could be your best Christmas ever. The only way, and I repeat, the only way this can be the best Christmas ever is if we return to the original meaning of Christmas. And the original meaning of Christmas is God coming to you, God coming for you, and God coming to be with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today I would like to invite you to open up your heart and by faith receive Him. Receive what He did on the cross of Calvary to save you. You see, the Bible teaches us that we're all sinners and that we all deserve to die. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible also teaches us because we've sinned, our punishment, as Romans 6.23 teaches us, that <clears throat> the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Someone has to die for your sin. Someone has to die for my sin. And listen, the Bible teaches us this. That God commendeth His love. That means demonstrated. God commendeth His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for you. He died for me and for everyone. And the beautiful picture here, the beautiful thing about Christmas is when He came to us and He died on the cross for us, He made it possible that we could be saved and the only way we can be saved is to turn to Him and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe. Now I want to lead you in a prayer. And in this prayer, uh, not saying, just saying the words is not what saves you. What saves you is you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came to this earth and He died for your sins because you're a sinner and you deserve to die. But He died for you and you're willing to turn to Him and believe in Him to be your Lord and Savior. You can pray with me, dear Lord Jesus. I realize I'm a sinner, and because of my sin, I deserve to die. But I believe you died in my place. And right now, the best way I know how, I'm going to turn from my sin, I'm going to turn to you and believe in you, that you died for me, and that you will save me because with the same power you were resurrected from the grave. And so, Lord, I'm calling on your name and asking you to come into my life and save me. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, 
I believe you're saved. I would like to ask you, if you would, if you would, to just contact me. If you would, just give me, send me a message on Facebook.